Welcome to the Madison Church Podcast. My name is Stephen Feith, I'm the lead pastor and the host of this week's episode in which MC asks a lot of questions about last Sunday's message during our series, How Not to Read the Bible, when we talked about the misogynistic sounding parts of the Bible. And so I'm, I'm looking to provide some clarification, some more clarification in this episode. But before I do, if you're listening, I want to invite you to subscribe to our podcast if you have not yet already. And if you have, it would mean a lot to me, it would mean a lot to us, and it would be very helpful if you would rate and review the podcast. It helps other people find us. If you haven't yet joined us in person, that's my next invitation for you. I'd love it if you would join us in person, specifically on Sunday, May 22nd. After our message on how not to read the Bible, we're going to go into a membership luncheon, and that's where we're going to talk about all things Madison Church, our little bit of our history, our values, strategy, mission, vision. We'll try to answer any questions that you have, and if you're interested in becoming a member of Madison Church, we'll tell you how to do that then. Now, let's get into today's questions for more clarification on the message last week. Now, we talked about women in ministry, women in church leadership, the uh, parts of the Bible in which it sounds like there is sexism and which there's gender inequality. And I went through about 30 verses that talk about either women leading in the church, women being apostles, women being church planters, uh, military leaders, uh, prophets, different times when Jesus interacted with women. And we were laying out really a case for all of these examples of gender equality within the biblical text, both in the Old and New Testament, despite there being a lot of inequality in other cultures, uh, certainly thousands of years ago, but even to this day, we see that the Bible, both the Old and New Testaments are quite progressive. But yet there are still a couple of instances in which it comes up that, um, like in the case of 1 Corinthians and in Timothy, in which Paul calls out women specifically for not being able to teach or speak in the church context. Why is that? Well, I just want to reiterate a lot of what I spoke about uh, last Sunday was talking about how in those particular contexts, we should really read those as equalizing passages. In the case of Timothy, who is pastoring in Ephesus, there's a temple of Artemis, which is a feminist religion that elevated women to a higher position than men uh, in, in any way that you counted. And so with the women who were potentially coming in to the churches that uh, Timothy, who was the pastor, was leading, Paul is counseling him to say, hey, in these situations, uh, we shouldn't just grant a woman, a woman a leadership position just because she's a woman. Uh, we need to teach her theology, and we need to teach her about Jesus, and we need to teach her about uh, living the way that Jesus wants us to do. There's this assumption then that the men who are coming into this church because of the society around them wouldn't have been presumed to take on a leadership position without doing something first. And, and so the assumption there would be that women coming in would kind of assume that they were going to be leaders. And in this passage, then we should see that Paul is saying, hey, men and women are equal and the women need to learn just like the men do. In the case of 1 Corinthians, uh, we talked a lot about how the problems in Corinth had to do with order of their gatherings. The way they were doing communion was a mess, uh, an abuse of spiritual gifts, 
uh, a lot of disorder, and it was actually hurting the Christian witness in Corinth. And so Paul is calling that out. Now, in this gathering that they were having, there would have, there would have been a lot of confusion. And so what some historians and theologians speculate is what would happen is that the women who were coming to these church gatherings to learn would be understandably confused. We have a guy over here doing one thing, maybe speaking in tongues. We have another guy over here who's claiming to be a prophet. And so then the women who know each other just begin to talk. And like uh, at a restaurant, as a lot of people are talking, your voice has to eventually get louder so that you can hear from each other. And so when Paul says, hey, I want the women to be quiet, it comes back to this, well, what's going on in Corinth? And that's there's a lot of disorder and that the women in this particular church gathering, their talking was contributing to the disorder. Was that the only disorder? No, there are several chapters in 1 Corinthians in which Paul is dealing with a ton of issues. And this is kind of like a sidebar, almost like a rabbit trail. Hey, by the way, this is going on and in the general thrust of my letter is we're trying to create organizations so we can communicate the message of Jesus to people and disciple them. Uh, we should have the women be quiet. And then he says, you know, um, they should go home and ask their husbands their questions. And again, thinking about this context, the husbands would have known, presumably they'd been going to the church already, presumably they'd already been getting together. And so, once again, we see Paul kind of equalizing in terms of bringing women up. He's not saying women don't worry about it. Uh, it, it doesn't matter. It's never going to be relevant to you. But rather in the situation, instead of like in the middle of a gathering, when we're trying to create order, you turning and asking your husband, what is he talking about and creating yet another side conversation? This would be, hey, why don't you just wait till you get home to ask that question? So there are those two situations, one in first Timothy, and then another in 1 Corinthians, in which Paul has specifically seems to single out women uh, as like not equal participants within the church. But I want to remind you that Paul writes 13 letters. Paul writes 13 letters, and he only talks about women in church contexts like this twice. And there's two times that we talked about. So what you and I should then presume, since he doesn't bring it up at every church, and we we would have to know that there are women in other churches, certainly, so that he doesn't bring it up to the Galatians, that he doesn't bring it up to Romans, that he doesn't bring it up to the uh, the people in Thessalonica, the first and second Thessalonians. Our presumption would be pretty safe to say that when there's order, it's okay, there's gender equality, and that in the situation when you're not in Ephesus and when there's this assumption that women are of greater stature than men, uh, and again, going back to this idea of equalizing, that women can lead. And we do see that. In Romans, Paul talks about women being apostles and prophets. We see that in, in Acts, women being church planters. And so when it comes to this entire series, what we've been trying to do is to not tell you what to think, but how to think. 
Certainly, though, with this talk on women and, and church and leadership and ministry, we bled over, I bled over into a little bit of the what. And, I, and while I recognize that there are churches and denominations and church traditions, Christian traditions that go way back, and there are multiple ways of viewing women in ministry, I thought it was very important to clarify Madison Church's position of women in church leadership so that people coming into our church know exactly where we stand. Now, this Sunday, we're going to talk about science and faith. And you're going to see a lot more of us going back to form with the here's how, here are multiple ways to think about science and faith and the Bible. But for this particular week, I wanted to go heavy handed and say, hey, we're pro women. We believe this is biblical. And here is why. Now, for those who wouldn't say or, or would say that women shouldn't lead in church or um, that only men should speak to men and women and women should only speak to women, I think that the questions are is that there are things going on contextually uh, that you're ignoring. I think that you do have to look at the other letters that Paul writes. Why doesn't Paul in every church he writes to say, hey, don't let women speak at church? Why are there apostles? Uh, why are there prophets? Why are there church planters who are women? It would be really hard to start a church or to be the you know, voice of God if you're a prophet, if you're only allowed to speak to half of the population. So if you side against women in leadership, I think that you're doing a lot of explaining away or adding to the Bible, really. You're adding to Paul's words when he doesn't distinguish between spiritual gifts between men and women when it comes to being a teacher. When it comes to being a leader, he doesn't say men have this gift and women don't, but that might be something that uh, we say. And I don't agree with it. And that's why we've landed where we've landed, because we do believe that when it comes to spiritual gifts, that Paul uh, never makes a distinction. Now, continuing on, another question that came in was talking about um, why women were talked about the way that they dressed in Timothy and why Paul seems to blame Eve for the fall, why he seems to blame Eve and not Adam for sin in the world. I thought that was a great question, very uh, observant of some other things going on in Timothy that we didn't uh, get around to. Uh, women dressing actually does also show up in Corinthians. And so again, we're going back from Timothy, who's in Ephesus, to Corinthians, and we're seeing the two themes where Paul's really coming down on these things. Um, we presume that whatever they were wearing was a distraction. And it comes back to if you wore a wedding gown to church or uh, if you wore nothing to church, how that would be very distracting to the people sitting around you, to everyone else in the room. And so we're, we're thinking, the theologians that I've been reading a lot for the series, Dan Kimball, N.T. Wright, Scott McKnight, the theory is that they were doing those things where it's just like their attire took away from the mission of the church. It took away from the message of Jesus. It took away from what they were trying to do. And we see this kind of, it, it, it's not trying to give in to some sort of a confirmation bias on our part, like we're looking for reasons to be pro-women. We see Peter talk about this too, and in other places where it's like, don't worry about your outward appearances, worry about what's going on on the inside. And so this is very consistent with what we read in the New Testament, which is what's going on on the inside is more important than what's going on on the outside or how you look, how you're perceived 
to be. And that's a very relevant message for us, even to this day, to care about what's going on on the inside um, just as much as the outside. Now, let's talk about Eve, because Paul bringing her up in Timothy actually does back up what we, what I have been saying about these churches in Corinth and Ephesus, in which Paul is writing in 1 Corinthians and to Timothy, uh, which Paul saying it was Eve's fault that the fall happened because she didn't know any better. She just didn't know any better. That's Paul's words. She didn't know any better, so she sinned, she fell. That had consequences. And so uh, in, these cons- in, in these contexts in which we live in, Timothy and this church in Corinth, like we need to teach the women so they're not like Eve, so they do know better, so that they don't sin, they don't continue to perpetuate death into the world. In Romans, Paul blames Adam for the fall. And it's a completely different context here. He blames Adam for the fall because Adam did, in fact, know better, just as you and I, just as us today, know better. Now, there's no mention of Eve in Romans because that wasn't Paul's point. And so, Paul has a theology as a Jewish guy that both Adam and Eve were to blame for the fall. Both of them were. And Paul goes further in Romans chapter 5 to say that, hey, we've all done the same thing that Adam does. And so he's not just saying that, hey, you know, Adam sinned, so we're all, uh, we're all just in trouble based on that alone. But it's, it's we're in trouble because of that, but we're also in trouble because of what we do. And so he does see both as being equally responsible, but for different reasons. Eve didn't know any better. So in the context of Timothy, in the context of Corinthians, that makes sense. He's saying, hey, you know, sometimes when we don't know any better, we mess up just like Eve. Whereas in Romans, he's saying, hey, we do know better and we can be just like Adam and mess up there. Now, one final thing to end on. The question, I got a bunch of these, which were, what about wives submitting to their husbands? And so I thought that would probably come up. I'm glad that it did because we can talk about it. It's a very simple answer. What we're talking about is uh, in Ephesians 5.22, which reads, for wives, this means submit to your husband's as to the Lord. And so that's the verse that's in question. But I do want to just back you up one verse. This is why it's so important, as we've said throughout this whole series, don't just read one Bible verse. Back up one verse, just one. Ephesians 5.21 says, further, speaking to everyone, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Men and women, people, humans, Christians, believers, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And we see this come up a lot. We see that Jesus submitted to his parents. That's written in the Gospels. We see Paul write in Romans that we are submit to the government. And in this case, he says, submit to one another. And then he says, for wives, that means you. Again, thinking about Ephesus, which is where this is written, Paul is equalizing it. He's saying, yes, even you, women in this society who are held above men, you are also to submit. So he's just reiterating it is all he is doing. But he does start off by saying submit to one another. And it's just so bizarre to me how a lot of guys will will use Ephesians 5.22 to kind of lord over their wives. Submit to me without reading the verse, which is to say we're to submit to one another. This is about 
loving sacrificially just as Jesus loved us. That's the relationship in the language. We see that it's like the church and it's like Christ. And there's this equal sacrificial love for one another. So should women, should wives submit to their husbands? Yes. And should husbands submit to their wives? Absolutely. It's mutual submission to one another. The only time really in the New Testament that we see that we should not be submissive to the government, uh, and I would take this into Jesus wouldn't have submitted to his parents in this case either, and, and wives or husbands shouldn't submit to their spouses in the case that it violates God's law, in the case that it violates something that God has authoritatively put into place. What does that mean? Let's be very drastic in this example. If your spouse tells you to kill someone, okay? Murder is against God's law. We should not hurt people. And so in this case, you should not submit to your husband because by submitting, or to your wife, because by submitting to your um, significant other in this case, you'd be violating God's law, which is the highest law for us. Well, I hope that this podcast episode cleared some things up. Certainly, there are going to be more questions that come in, and we welcome that. Um, We like questions, and I don't think that that shows a lack of faith. I think that that shows a very hungry faith that wants to learn and wants to just know more about the Bible so we can know more about God. Again, I want to invite you to our in-person gatherings. Those are inside Trinity Lutheran Church Sundays at 11 a.m. You can find out all sorts of information about Madison Church on our website, madisonchurch.com. Thank you so much for joining us this week. I hope that we get a chance to connect with you soon.